Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, August 29th, 529 a.m. Central Time. December corn futures down one at 495 and a quarter. November soybeans down four and a half, 1401 and a quarter last trade there. December Chicago wheat down one and a quarter at 615 and three quarters. December Kansas City wheat down four at 745 and three quarters. December spring wheat unchanged at 791 and a half. We had some crop ratings out yesterday. Why don't we start there? U.S. soybean ratings declined last week. The crop was rated 58% good to excellent nationally compared to 59% the prior week and 60% on average. Many traders had expected a larger decline due to the recent hot and dry weather. States with a good to excellent rating of 50% or below include North Dakota, Minnesota, Kansas, Missouri, and Michigan. USDA estimates that 5% of the crop is dropping leaves versus six percent on average so you saw one percent drop in the good to excellent uh category in soybeans i think a lot of traders expected a larger decline the the official number based on some of the polling that i saw was you'd see a two percent decline but i talked to smart people who thought we could see a three or four percent decline in the soybean ratings because of the weather now generally speaking the soybean ratings are still strong at 58 percent good to excellent we're still above last year. And out of the last five years, we're the second best. Only 2020 was better uh, seasonally this time of year. And 2020, we kind of found out late in the growing season that the crop wasn't quite there. So I don't know if the ratings are fully reflecting uh, what has happened recently as it relates to hot and dry weather. I mean, everybody's told me, whether it's you guys in the YouTube comments or uh, newsletter subscribers, whoever, everybody's told me that the crop's gone backwards this hot and dry weather that we've seen late in August and looks like it's going to persist for another week or two. Um, it's it's done some damage and, and has absolutely hurt crop potential. The ratings are just a view from the road. It's a beauty contest. It's not anything that's super scientific. It doesn't mean that the yield is this or that. But I think that's why uh, soybeans opened lower last night. We almost filled that Sunday night gap on the November soybean chart. We got really close did not quite fill it, and we're back above $14 here uh, early this morning. So the market uh, knee-jerk reaction was to open lower last night, trying to uh, recover into this morning. What about corn ratings? They also declined last week. The crop was rated 56% good to excellent uh, nationally compared to 58% the prior week and 60% on average. States with a good to excellent rating of 50% or below include Minnesota, Kansas, Missouri, Michigan, and Texas. USDA estimates that 9% of the crop is mature nationally versus 8% on average. So you got your 2% decline in corn, which I guess is closer to what they were expecting in soybeans. The corn market did something similar, uh, opened lower and uh, kind of traded lower last night, but not a big range by any means. These corn only traded a four and a half cent range overnight. So the market not overly excited about that. What about spring wheat? Uh, so spring wheat harvest continues on. The crop was 54% harvested nationally compared to 39% the prior week and 63% on average. The crop was rated 37% good to excellent nationally compared to 38% the prior week and 69% on average. U.S. winter wheat harvest has largely been completed. Let's look at a spring wheat chart real quick. So I'm aware 
that there are some crop problems in the northern U.S. and in uh, Canadian spring wheat country also. Uh, the market doesn't seem interested. One of the uh, big picture questions, like one of the, the billion-dollar questions for me when it comes to uh, corn and wheat in particular is this. How cheap is, is cheap in a post-COVID environment? So prior to COVID, you guys look at this chart. 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, you saw kind of bottom of the barrel spring wheat prices at, you know, $5 on the board. In the case of corn, bottom of the barrel uh, during that time frame was like $3 on the board. But now you're in this uh, post-COVID, post-inflation environment. Uh, how cheap is cheap? What is the bottom of the barrel now in, in this environment? I think that in the case of, of corn and wheat, Maybe you find out sometime soon. I mean, in, unless something really changes, especially in the case of, of corn, as an example, like unless something really changes for the better in terms of fundamentals, whatever your harvest low is this fall, if we post like a seasonal type harvest low, maybe that's your new bottom of the barrel. Maybe it's maybe it's five bucks. Maybe it's four and a half bucks. Maybe it's four bucks. Maybe it's still three bucks. I don't really know, but I think that that's um, a huge debate. That should probably be discussed a little bit more. It's, what's the new bottom of the barrel here? Because everything else on the planet has repriced since COVID. Every the, the price of everything's up, what, 30, 40%? Does the same go for corn, soybeans, and wheat? I don't know, but it's a good question. Uh, so weather forecasts for U.S. corn and soybean areas remain largely dry. The seven-day forecast is dry for almost the entire U.S. corn belt and also for the U.S. plains. The 10-day euro and GFS models offer only minimal chances of precipitation. Above normal temperatures persist across the plains this week and will work their way into the corn belt by the weekend. By Sunday, large areas of the corn belt will see temperatures in the 90s. The heat is slated to hang around for most of next week. So you've got potentially like another two weeks of hot and dry the way that it looks. Here's your uh, Labor Day forecast, 100 degrees in Minnesota on Labor Day. I mean, I, I don't know if this is too aggressive, but this is the Euro version of this map, which is usually the, the less aggressive version. So, I mean, this heat is going to stick around. I mean, you guys tell me, drop me a comment in, in the YouTube video here or send me an email or something. What, is the, what does this mean for the bean crop? We saw the ratings were only off just very, very marginally. Um, is, is this going to be more uh, of, of, of additional detriment to soybean yield prospects here? I would imagine so. I would imagine so. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Joe, can you tell me about the video we put together yesterday for our premium subscribers? We are thrilled to welcome uh, Paul Niefer, the farm CPA, who's like a celebrity. He's going to be a regular uh, contributor for us now. Uh, yesterday, pa Paul talked about the Corporate Transparency Act in your farm. Uh, this is something that's going to be a big deal into 2024. So Paul's going to be on doing premium stuff for us a couple times a month. He's going to talk about tax issues, policy issues, uh, things along these lines. Paul's a genius. He's one of the smartest people I know. Uh, this is a huge, huge, huge value add for anybody who's uh, signed up for the premium deal. If you guys want to see the premium content, uh, email out from us every single business day at 5 a.m. Central, uh, new premium video every single business day. Go to standardgrain.com. You can sign up this morning. I'll forward you a copy of this morning's email. It includes the six most recent uh, premium videos. This is a $50 per month subscription. You can cancel at any time. Uh, no other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. Just a ton of info direct from us every single business day, guys. Check it out.
USDA reported a flash sale of U.S. corn and soybeans on Monday. U.S. exporters sold 123,000 metric tons of corn uh, to Mexico for delivery during the next marketing year. U.S. exporters also sold 296,000 metric tons of soybeans to unknown destinations for delivery during the next marketing year. A little bit better amount uh, as it relates to the soybean uh, sale, which could have been China, maybe maybe not, I don't know. Corn is just routine business to Mexico. We're still lacking the Chinese business, which is off. Like China's basically got nothing booked in terms of uh, new crop U.S. corn. And that's a, that's a big question moving forward. Is China, is China ever going to step in and buy U.S. corn for this new crop marketing year? Because they've done very, very little, I mean, next to nothing to this point. And uh, if they do come in, I think that could be very friendly in terms of price action, because we know that as it stands right now, USDA is in all likelihood overstating new crop U.S. corn exports in their projection, but it could change really quickly. A couple of flash sales to China, it all changes. This stuff that we saw yesterday, more like routine type business, I guess. Turkey's president is slated to meet with Vladimir Putin next week in Russia. The leaders are expected to discuss restarting the Black Sea grain deal as the Turkish president is hoping to persuade Putin to rejoin the deal in order to avoid a global food crisis. The leaders have maintained constant uh, communication since the invasion of Ukraine last year. Guys, it's just like deja vu for months and months and months. It's the same story over and over. Putin's going to meet with Turkey's president to talk about grain, whatever. I mean, I guess this is, I guess the recent Black Sea headlines are bearish, if anything, because they're exploring or starting to use some of these alternate shipping routes. Now you got Putin back at the table, I guess, negotiating. I don't know. Wheat prices uh, have been very, very soft in all three classes of wheat we trade on the exchanges at risk of posting some fresh lows for the entire calendar year uh, here this morning. U.S. corn shipments improved last week. USDA reported that 597,144 metric tons of corn were inspected for export during the week ending August 24th. The print surpassed traders' estimates and was up 17% on the week, but down 15% versus the same week last year. Soybean shipments increased marginally from the previous week, totaling 322,149 metric tons. Wheat shipments exceeded traders' expectations at 390,364 metric tons, up 25% compared to the previous week. The current marketing year ends this Thursday. So corn and soybean shipments to end the marketing year have really not been that great. You can maybe make a case that USDA is a little bit too high on their old crop export uh, numbers, and maybe you need to see some slight revisions there, but probably not anything uh, super significant at this point. So experts are warning of increased COVID-19 infections. Hospitalizations for COVID rose by 24% in the two weeks ending August 12th. The vast majority of infections cause only mild, mild symptoms, much like a cold or the flu. Experts anticipate that the number of COVID-19 cases will increase as we progress through the fall and winter. Despite the increase, few Americans seem to be willing to go back to pandemic-era restrictions. Some institutions across the U.S. are already reinstating pandemic-era rules, such as mask-wearing and temperature checks. This is a risk to commodity markets as a whole. Um, if, if this gets bad enough, it's not going to be a repeat of 2020 because February, March 2020, when COVID first hit, 
We didn't know what it was. We had no idea how to handle it. We shut down the whole country. And the result of that, as it relates to commodity markets, was um, reduced energy usage. That was the big thing. People stopped driving. Airplanes stopped flying. We stopped grinding corn for ethanol. And it had a hugely negative impact on the energy markets. And uh, that was when crude oil traded negative. Uh, corn got really cheap there for a moment because the ethanol production numbers just fell apart. You got to remember, ethanol production accounts for like, uh, more than a third of your uh, demand for corn grown in the United States. I don't think you're going to see a repeat of that, but I think what you could see is a situation in which uh, driving is reduced to some extent and uh, air travel is reduced to some extent. And that would be a negative, not in the way that it was in 2020, but in, in some sort of way. You could see a material decline in gasoline usage or jet fuel usage or ethanol usage or ethanol production. And that would be the concern for me uh, as we move forward. It's not going to be a 2020 repeat where you have this like acute shutdown of the whole country, but it could be <clears throat> it could be a situation, <clears throat> excuse me, where you see demand for some of these energy products and corn, uh, whether you like it or not, is an energy product to some extent. So that would be my concern about this uh, as we move forward. And I said last week, I hope we don't have to talk about this again, but it looks like it is going to be something we're going to have to talk about, I guess. Uh, what did cattle do yesterday? Uh, feeder cattle futures finally broke free and uh, hit all-time highs on Monday. Uh, they were up an average of 260, ranging anywhere from 225 to 307. Live cattle futures also had a positive day, ending the day at 76 cents higher on average. They were up anywhere from two cents to a buck 12 higher. Box beef was basically stagnant. Uh, a choice ended the day at 317.04. That was down 86 cents. Select ended the day at 292.09. That was down 58 cents. Big day in the feeder cattle. Uh, outside market this morning, guys, U.S. dollars about flat. Stocks are up just a little bit. Bonds about flat. Uh, crude oil is up 59 cents in the October WTI at 80.69. Everyone have a great day, guys. We'll talk to you Wednesday.